to the Unpacked Podcast, where we seek to make big ideas on faith, life, and leadership by having conversations with those who know stuff to help simplify things for the rest of us. Well, welcome to episode number 25 of our podcast. My name is Skylar Elmer. I'm your host, and I hope that this conversation will give you the encouragement you need to make a greater impact in your life. Today is a sort of relaunch of our podcast. We took a momentary break over the winter, and we are kicking things off with a very timely conversation. You are going to love it. My guest with me today is Ruth Jackson. Ruth is a co-host with Justin Briley uh, from the unbelievable show on Premier Christian Radio over in the UK. If you haven't heard of them or listened to their podcast, I would strongly recommend that you go and you check them out. Well, Ruth and Justin, they have a these conversations with people from wildly diverse backgrounds on a number of issues. A lot of times they will bring a Christian and a non-Christian together to have a discussion on a topic. And the thing that struck me about what they do in the conversations they host is that there's a honesty, a humility uh, in the conversations that they have over at Unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable (laughs) in in the way they are able to disagree with people without being disagreeable is remarkable. I mean, there is a sort of art to disagreement. And I wanted um, Ruth to come onto our podcast and talk to us about this. And in a time when people are canceling each other out, living in these echo chambers, and just stoking fires of controversy, I wanted Ruth to come onto our podcast and just share a little bit about how they have these conversations, and so we can learn how to disagree well. And outside of the podcast, Ruth studied theology at Oxford. Uh, She also helped start an apologetic program for the youth there. Uh, She is in this all-women's rock and roll band. She's a worship leader and a youth worker at a church, and she has a brand new podcast with Alistair McGrath, All Things C.S. Lewis Related. So it's a great joy and honor and privilege to have her on a podcast. So here is my conversation with Ruth Jackson. Well, I am uh, extremely honored uh, to have Ruth Jackson um, from the unbelievable uh, radio show on our on our podcast. Ruth, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's strange being on this side of the microphone, but it's exciting at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, you you have um, you do um, a bunch of different kind of interviews and in, in formats like this. So I'm really glad to reverse the roles for you. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's really exciting to have um, have you a part of our podcast and uh, talking with us on a on a, a really important uh, topic um, from kind of where we're at as as Americans. Um, but Ruth, I want to, before we launch into everything that we're going to talk about, um, uh, many people in our audience, they may not know who you are. And so do you want to just kind of share a little bit about your story? You know, how did you come to faith? What do you do? And and how did you get connected with uh, the Unbelievable show? Sure. So um, I grew up in a Christian family. My dad is a vicar. My mum was a religious studies teacher. So yeah, okay. pretty good sort of solid Christian upbringing. And um, 
I did, you know, I sort of, I did sort of question my faith and grapple with it a little bit as a teenager, but nothing to the extent um, of when I went to university to study theology, mm. which uh, I remember at the time, lots of people were like, oh, you shouldn't study theology at university. It will rip apart your faith. And I think because I was going to do it at Oxford University as well, there was a sense in which, you know, there was sort of not necessarily any Christian context to it whatsoever. Yeah. And being taught by super, super smart atheist professors, um, and I mean, it wasn't my experience. I didn't lose my faith, but there were definitely some shaky moments where, you know, if someone's got sort of multiple PhDs and they're telling you none of it's true, you do sort of second guess yourself. And so mm. um, it actually sort of made me turn more towards the Bible and reading it over and over again and, and trying to find clever Christians <laughs> that could help me. Um, so so that was really exciting. And then sort of in the middle of all of that, um, tragically, one of my friends took um, took her own life. So mm. I then had, having just sort of reestablished this academic credibility to my faith, I then had this kind of emotional turmoil where I was like, God, why would you let that happen? And, um, you know, she'd sort of struggled with depression for years. Um, and I found myself, again, not losing my faith, but just kind of questioning the goodness of God and things like that. And that's when I really got into apologetics because I just okay. wanted to read everything I could about the problem of suffering and pain and the goodness of God. Um, so so that's kind of a little bit of my journey. I feel like I've ripped my faith apart at times and, and put it back together. And it's certainly not been a, a kind of straightforward journey. Um, but I think finding apologetics at a young age sort of really helped um, for me to know that actually there is real rational grounding for my yeah. faith and it's not just something that I was born into but that I've really uh, sort of owned that by questioning it um, in terms of what I do so I work for Unbelievable and um, we've sort of got a whole remit of things that we do here in the UK so um, we make four podcasts a week um, one is wow. the Unbelievable show which which goes out um, every week and that's a, a debate I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this but it's a debate show between often a Christian and an atheist sometimes Christians of differing opinions but it's always people um, on kind of polarized opinions um, and then uh, as well as that we have um, because the show has been going for so long we also have a classic replay where we sort of delve into the archives and kind of repackage a podcast that went out years ago and just sort of bring it bring it up to date and make it more relevant um, we have a podcast called ask nt write anything hmm. nt Wright is a british theologian um, super brain amazing bible scholar um, and justin briley who i work with um, literally asks nt write anything so viewers will um, sort of send in their questions and we get the opportunity to ask this amazing theologian questions and then the final podcast that we do each week which has just launched which I'm really excited about is called the C.S. Lewis podcast mm. and um, I host that with um, Professor Alistair McGrath who wow. is an absolute expert in C.S. Lewis he um, has written one of the kind of seminal biographies of C.S. Lewis called C.S. Lewis A Life. And um, each week we just look at different aspects of C.S. Lewis's theology, his thought, his relationships. And I'm really excited about that one because um, I just recorded a whole other batch last week and there's lots of exciting things in store. So, yeah, so that's a little bit of, of what I do. Um, and in terms of how I got into Unbelievable, I was um, I actually worked at the BBC for a really long time uh, and then I've but oh, okay. really missed, really missed theology. I was working in children's television, so completely different. Um, and, you know, my I was doing a lot of youth work at the time and my poor teenagers were getting that kind of full theological outworking of everything that I was thinking about. Um, <laughs> and, and so I thought, well, perhaps I need to do something with this. Uh, so then I got a job at the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, working with some 
brilliant theologians like Alistair McGrath, John Lennox, Amy or Ewing, wow. um, just some really smart, smart theologians. Um, and then while I was doing that, uh, Justin approached me to see if um, I would speak at one of the unbelievable conferences. So that was my kind of first interaction with Unbelievable and with Justin. Um, and then eventually I started working for Premier who make Unbelievable, um, but doing the youth work side of things. And it was just in the pandemic that I started working for Unbelievable. So it's hard to kind of say how long I've been working for it because because time seems to have stopped in the pandemic. But it's it's been coming up to a year now, I think, that I've been um, working alongside Justin Briley at Unbelievable. Okay. And, and not to mention, if I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also, um, you are involved in ministry at your church and you have your own uh, rock, you're a part of a rock band, an all-girl rock band called the Daisy yeah. Change, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that is correct. So yes, I'm in a 50s, 60s rock and roll band, um, which is wonderful. You know, we play lots of Elvis and Little Richard and Carol King and things like that. And that's kind of my creative outlet, but it's also an amazing evangelistic outlet. Um, none of the girls are Christians and we do have some amazing conversations. So that's pretty fun. And yeah, I'm involved in um, my local church doing worship and um, doing youth work. So that's really good fun as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. I love the um, kind of all around full life. You're not just kind of an, an academic um, person, but you're very um, uh, you're very much involved with the real world, real church experience. So, um, well, I um, Ruth, I am a huge fan of uh, what Unbelievable does. I think of all the podcasts I listen to. Uh, I, I think hands down, Unbelievable uh, is my favorite to listen to. Um, I love the conversations that happen on that podcast, um, and and so some of the, some of the people um, listening may not know what the Unbelievable um, show is. Um, do you want to just kind of um, fill us in? What is Unbelievable? Um, is there a story behind that name, and uh, what's kind of the goal, um, the big picture accomplishment for you guys on that podcast? Sure. So um, thank you so much for your kind words, by the way. I will definitely pass that on to my co-host, Justin. Um, so Justin Briley, uh, who who hosts the show most of the time, I occasionally sub in for him while he's away. Um, but it was in 2005, I think it was, so a while ago now, he began to host the show. He was working for Premier Christian Radio, and the majority of what he was doing was sort of Christian output. Um, mm. But he thought, you know, obviously the, the majority of the UK are not Christians. Uh, how can we be reaching out into, into these areas? And he sort of had this idea of putting it up in a kind of debate format, but, but not an aggressive debate, actually much more of a conversation, a conversation between someone who, who was a believer and someone who wasn't a believer and just sort of, putting um, a topic on the table and getting them to discuss it and having listeners write in with their questions or ring in with their questions just making it a kind of open conversation and so um the the question unbelievable uh, sorry the name unbelievable sort of refers to th those claims of christianity that mm. are potentially unbelievable so it's about you know miracles and things like that that a non-christian would think oh my goodness that's so unbelievable i could never believe that and the idea is that you can sort of discuss those but what i love about it as well is the program is called unbelievable but with a question mark at the end of it and that question mark is very intentional and um, oh. because justin never wanted it to be a here's what i think so you th should think it too it's very much you know everything's kind of open it's it's a it's a discussion it's it's not here's my opinion i won't listen to yours the idea is that it's very sort of questioning approach 
and actually the listener's opinion is just as valid as the experts in inverted commas because mm. you know we've all got a valid opinion when it comes to this thing very very conversational um so so that's how unbelievable started and then in 2011 so 10 years ago um, we launched the unbelievable conference which was just an opportunity for people to come and sort of explore apologetics and grapple with some of these questions uh, and then something that i think is so exciting i think it was 2018 we launched something called the big conversation mm. which is sort of a super Supersized version of unbelievable. Um, so we got a bit of external funding from a very generous charity, which meant that we could pull in even bigger named guests. Um, so we had wow. a Nobel Prize winner, who's Sir, Sir Roger Penrose. Um, we've had uh, a, a philosopher, Daniel Dennett, wow. um, Richard Dawkins, John Lennox. You know, some of the kind of Good big night. names okay. in, in kind of Christianity and atheism. And um, Jordan B. Peterson, who's obviously quite a controversial figure. But that's really exciting. So the big conversation is a kind of, yeah, I guess like a supersized version of Unbelievable, where for an hour to an hour and a half, these two intellectuals will battle a big question. Um, and we've actually just launched the third series of that. And the first episode went out last week and it was between two sort of prolific YouTubers, one um, Bishop Robert Barron, who's a Catholic um, YouTuber who reaches a huge amount of Christians and non-Christians through his YouTube channel and then um, on the skeptic side a guy called Cosmic Skeptic who again has hundreds of thousands of atheists follow him online and they were sort of yeah. debating yeah whether Christianity or atheism is is a, is a better way of looking at life looking at things like suffering and things like that the next episode of, of um, the big conversation is around artificial intelligence and it is amazing so yeah so that's that's a little bit about um, unbelievable and, and our goal really is just to get people thinking and to get them talking and to kind of have these conversations in in a in a civil way and um, that doesn't mean that people are always going to agree by the end of it often they disagree even more strongly yeah. but they do it in a respectful way yeah man it's uh for me uh, when i saw the title i just thought it's titled unbelievable because the kind of conversations you guys have are truly unbelievable <laughs> you know um it's uh it's it i mean i don't i'm mean, that's that's the perfect word um to to describe um the ministry that you guys have there has there been any um personal highlights for you um since you um i guess been on started working with um uh, unbelievable um and is has there been because you guys get um people who could not be uh, they're not just these you know smokescreen kind of personalities i mean a lot of times they're um uh, people who would do a good job representing a position uh, to have a conversation <laughs> and like they're polar opposites, you know, and has there, okay, any highlights for you? And has there been any times where the um, things just went completely south? <laughs> it's really hard to pick highlights. I was trying to think about this earlier. And I think because I've been listening to the show for so long before I came on board, there are so many sort of in the archives that I loved. But I think one that sort of really sticks in my mind, I think because it was such an issue for me growing up uh, around the problem of suffering was one that we did in the pandemic with John Steingard, who used to front okay. um, Hawk Nelson, the Christian band. And he sort of quite publicly lost his faith, talked about it on Instagram and YouTube mm. um, and things like that. And he was in... I say debate, but it was very much more conversational and not sort of aggressive debate at all with Amy or Ewing, who's a British apologist, and she'd just written a book on suffering. And they had this 
beautiful discussion that you know a lot of it focused around the pandemic and why god would let that happen um, but a lot of it looked at some of the um the things that john had encountered in his life and it just for me was the epitome of what unbelievable does well it takes these really really important questions that are often not just intellectual questions they're often real questions of the heart and are really significant you know, that was one of the big reasons that John lost his faith. So, um, but mm. done in such a sensitive way and we got so much positive feedback from that show. So that that was definitely um, a highlight. And then I think uh, another one that springs to mind is we did a Christmas show, which we tried to make the content a little bit lighter because it's Christmas, maybe not yeah. sort of in-depth theological debates. And so one of the things we did was we got a couple of people to share their stories of coming to faith through apologetics, um, one of whom happened in the pandemic. So that's it's oh, wow. always it's always amazing to hear um people who have come to faith through apologetics and and both for both of them the unbelievable show had been really significant in their journey so that's just an amazing reminder of um you know why we do what we do and, and actually the importance of giving people answers for for the hope that we have um in terms of has anything gone south i mean there's certainly been some debates that have got quite feisty but i don't know that there's ever been anything where it's just been completely awful because Justin is always so good at reining people in and, you know, reminding them to be civil to each other. And again, I think a lot of the people that come on the show, they want to have these discussions. They mm. don't want to just railroad, railroad the conversation. Yeah. Uh, the tricky thing for me when I'm hosting the show is to try and just make sure that actually it's a really fair debate. So, you know, your tendency might be, if you're agreeing with one person, your tendency might be to yeah. ask them questions and ignore that person over there, but actually just to make sure that everyone has um, a fair spot at the table. And obviously technical stuff goes wrong often in the pandemic when we're working from home and my little puppy will jump in and start barking and, you know, one of Justin's children will cry or whatever. So there's, you know, it's not been without its hiccups, but... Um, yeah. But yeah, on the whole, I think because Justin is so good at creating a space where conversations happen respectfully, it um, yeah, it's it's a great show. Sure, sure, yeah, it, it really is, um, and it's it's kind of one of those things you just got to hear it to believe it. Because I I think I you know with a certain topic, I'm like I I don't even know how I would approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, answering that and I mean for the both of you uh, both you and Justin you guys do a fantastic job being able to mediate these conversations and um, focusing them in on um, key moments but you guys also know the stuff you're talking about and so you're able to you know pull all these things together and um, it's, it's, it's really insightful and you know, Ruth, one of the things that you guys do is, I mean, you, you take um, literally um, people from, uh, I, I guess, opposite spectrums to have important conversations. One of the things that I, I see from the context that we're in here in America is there tends to be um, this, this situation where we only listen to um, the voices that we like, similar mm -hmm. voices kind of being in a, somewhat of an echo chamber. Um, so I just kind of thinking about um, disagreement and talking with people that we may not agree with, um, I just kind of want to launch out and say, why even have a conversation with somebody that you disagree with? You know, what's at stake if we only engage people that uh, that we agree with? 
It's such a good question. And I think, you know, you mentioned the word echo chamber and that's certainly true um, of our social media profiles. A lot of the time, if we're only following people who think the same way we do vote the same way we do, um, what you find is everyone is just saying the same thing that you think. And often what I think it can lead to is confirmation bias, which is where, you know, you think something in particular and then everything that anyone else says is just confirming your opinion. And I think the danger with that is that actually we end up really narrow-minded and not not engaging with lots of the big conversations around us and I I think as well if, if you only have friends and discussions with people who think like you look like you you're just missing out on such a plethora of amazing things out there there are so many people out there with so many different opinions it doesn't mean you have to agree with them but actually to not engage with them is just I think really narrow-minded and I think Mm. often we tend to think and I think unfortunately Christians are particularly guilty of this is that perhaps if we sort of question our beliefs and um, talk to people who we disagree with that we're going to lose our faith and I actually think um, you know, if your faith is worth believing, then it's it's worth being grappled with. And what I found personally in my own experience is that the more I've grappled with my faith and looked at it and challenged it, actually, the stronger it's become. Um, and what I love, there's there's a guy called he's got an amazing name. He's called John Westerhoff the third. The fact that there are three, <laughs> you know, two more um, before him, and he talks a lot about um, the stages of faith development in children, mm. and he goes through this these different stages, and the final. Um, stage of faith development is owned faith where it becomes the child's own faith rather than sort of taking on the faith of the child but that that faith that owned faith is only possible once the child has gone through what he calls searching faith and that only comes through asking questions through grappling with what they believe and why they believe and I think that's certainly true in my own experience and true for a lot of the people that I meet is that actually once they've gone through that questioning experience their faith does come out stronger it probably doesn't look the same um it's you know it might it might have changed completely but actually it is much stronger and there's there's just that kind of depth of and that doesn't mean you know all the answers to everything of course it doesn't even the smartest professors in the world don't but actually just that deep understanding and often that deep falling in love um with Jesus as well so I, I was interviewing a teenager this morning and um I asked him a sort of classic question I ask every young person I ever engage with um which is if you could ask God one question what would it be because I always want to know like what are the questions that young people are thinking of and his answer absolutely floored me he said you know I've got lots of questions and I probably ask him questions every day but I think actually perhaps what I need at the moment is not necessarily um, an answer from God. What I need is to um, is to be walking closer with him. Right. And actually, I think if if I got given the answer, it would maybe um, stop me from pressing in. And I think, I mean, pr- profound wisdom from the mouths of babes. But I think he's absolutely spot on. I think I do think apologetics is important. Of course, I do. I think questioning our faith is important. But often I think through the questioning process, process and the ultimate aim of that is is to get closer to God um, and to sort of fall in love with him through our questioning through our doubts to to recognize that actually his hands are big enough to hold all of our questions and all of our doubts Mm, yeah that's so good and I I I mean you you could see the um, the inverse effect of not asking those questions and Mm -hmm. wrestling through that you know my background is I, I had more of a you know um, I would say a nominal atheism, 
where I wasn't a Christian. I, I, I knew God didn't exist, and you know, I came, I came to faith, and so I naturally had a lot of questions. I didn't know that there was, um, um, there was, you know, there's, there's not, but these boundaries of like, don't ask these questions. Like that didn't mm. exist in my head. So I just, I asked them. I, I looked, and you know, I just, I found, there is a depth that, um, that could be missed if you don't have that kind of approach, and if you don't have a good community support system, you know, that's, you know, you. Uh, to really kind of uh, uh, display the, the presence of God in your life and, you know, walk with you. Um, mm. there, you know, could be some elements missing. Um, so what's at stake? You know, if, I, I guess, kind of narrow-mindedness, um, a, a lack of um, true depth in our in our relationship with, with God is, is kind of what's at stake if we don't mm. um, have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, actually our lives will be so much less rich for it Mm. as well. And also, you know, you're missing out on the opportunity to share your faith with someone. Um, And we absolutely should not be seeing our friends um, and our non-Christian colleagues and things like that as projects. We absolutely should not be doing that. But, but at the end of the day, if, if, if they're willing to engage um, with your opinions and you're willing to engage with their opinions, then you're much more likely to be able to share the hope that you have. So I think, yeah, you're missing out on all sorts of stuff by just being in your sort of narrow-minded echo chamber. I think yeah. there's a whole world out there waiting to be engaged with. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good, Ruth. What um, has there has there been anything in your life um, that's kind of prepared you for having this kind of environment where you're you're um, having conversations with people that, that disagree with each other. I mean, is there, has there been anything in your life that's prepared you to regularly have conversations with um, those with different opinions? Well, um, I've got two sisters, one twin and a little sister. So certainly my home life, <laughs> just that kind of battling between siblings. Um, but on a sort of more serious note, I think studying theology at Oxford really prepared me for this. Um, I was so surprised how many people mm. studying theology weren't Christians. I just kind of assumed, you know, you're yeah. kind of studying the Bible and and doctrines of the church. Why, why would you be interested in it if you're not a Christian? Um, but so that sort of set me up. And then I think having worked at places like the BBC, which are um, quite overtly secular, um, just had lots of amazing conversations not not at all combative people were really open um so yeah lots of sort of experiences both in my personal life um and also you know I'm a musician as we said before I'm in a band my husband's a musician so a lot of our friends um aren't Christian and I absolutely love it I wouldn't have it any other way awesome awesome so you you're going to enter into a conversation with somebody that um, maybe you know you disagree with or um, you have a strong opinion in your mind what do you have like what is what is playing in your mind what are you telling yourself is there anything that when we are potentially going to enter into a divergent conversation uh, that we have front and center in our mind to, to enter into that conversation I mean, I think so often we sort of go in all guns blazing, thinking I'm going to completely change this person's opinion. I'm going to make them believe everything I believe. And I think actually what I love, there's um, a great book by Gregory Kukul, who's an apologist called Tactics. And um, he's got this great phrase in the book, which he says, what we want to do is we want to put a stone in someone's shoe. Um, You know, that sense when you're sort of walking around and you can kind of feel something and you're like, oh, that's really 
niggling away at me. It's not necessarily painful, but you know it's there and it keeps coming back. And I think actually that's a really helpful illustration. I think what we want to do often in those conversations is put a stone in someone's shoe, not necessarily sort of change their whole worldview overnight, but just to give them something to think about that keeps coming back at them, to niggle away at them, um, to kind of rub up against them and to, to make them question things, you know, perhaps to wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, I'm really thinking about what she said in that conversation. I wonder if it's true. Um, but I think even more important than all of that is to remember that there's a person behind mm. the objection, a person behind the question, a person behind the opinion, um, and that we've got to be willing to lose arguments to win people wow. um, because it's not it's not about who's got the biggest brain or who's read the most books or who knows the most things. It's about it's about helping them to see the person of Jesus. And often um, I think apologetics can become quite heady, but, but for me, apologetics is about removing those barriers in someone's head so that you can then begin to engage with them on a heart level. Mm. Um, because like I said, I personally don't think many questions are purely intellectual. I think they often come from a place of something that someone has experienced, a, a, an emotional um, connection or, or disconnect or something that's kind of gone wrong in their life. And I think as well, we, we need to learn to hold our opinions lightly, because if um, if an opinion is worth having, if it's true, then it will hold up. It will stand up to scrutiny. So I think being willing to have your own opinions changed as well and not just going in one sided thinking I'm going to change their opinions, mm. but going in kind of holding yours just as lightly. Um, and I think, you know, that amazing verse 1 Peter 3 15, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Um, but that verse goes on to say but do this with gentleness and respect and I think if we don't do it with gentleness and respect then they're not even going to listen to us explaining the hope that we have yeah yeah um Ruth can I can I go back you said something mm -hmm. that I thought was um really profound you said you, we got to be willing to lose an argument to to win a soul can mm -hmm. you unpack that what do you mean by that so I guess you know, I think so often, and again, I think, unfortunately, we're often guilty of it and apologetics. Um, we we want to have like the last word in a conversation or we want to say something smart or like a little quip or we want to kind of break down their argument in a way that makes us appear clever. But I think actually often that is almost counterintuitive mm -hmm. because what you're doing a lot of the time is making someone feel small um, or, you know, it, particularly if they've grown up thinking this thing their whole life and suddenly it sort of comes crumbling down around them, they're already feeling vulnerable wow. and they've already gone to the, um, yeah, they're already trusting you with their deepest, darkest thoughts and, and actually what they need is a listening ear. And so when I say we must be willing to lose the argument, what I mean is actually thinking about the the question behind the question the person behind the objection and almost sort of neglecting what's going on on the surface but trying to sort of get to the heart of what's going on um we, we have uh, this thing called you've got the alpha course in the us right uh -huh. oh yeah okay and um i've led a couple of alpha courses and, and in all the training they say to you um you you can't ever correct someone you know what you've got to say is oh that's a really interesting opinion what do you think so and so and uh, as a theologian it's so frustrating because so many people say things that are just completely wrong um you know they'll take massive verses out of the bible in context they say something that's not even a bible verse but say that it's a bible verse 
um, and, and I sort of sit there like it's sitting on my hands and like clenching my teeth and um, wanting to correct them but I never do because I try and do what they say in the training and and it in some ways it's like the, the worst thing about the alpha course but in so many ways it's also the best thing about the alpha course because what it means is when that person um, does sort of come to their own understanding of God and their own faith they know that they've not been cajoled into it they know that no one has forced them into that but they've made that decision themselves and often people will leave the course not as a Christian but so much further on their journey and I think actually had I jumped in with oh no that's not right it you know it might have put their back up and and got them upset and they might never have come back again but Mm. but by being quiet and by biting my tongue and by going the opposite of what I want to do actually I'm letting God work in them and and letting them go on their own journey of faith wow that's good that's really good so in you know I think naturally just kind of um if if I can um uh, ask the question you know I think this kind of sets it up really well but how do you if you're having a conversation that, that clearly um, you guys are not seeing eye to eye on a topic, an issue, how do you, um, I guess, disagree disagree with them without being a disagreeable person? You know, like you don't come across rude or, or arrogant or pretentious or anything like that. Um, how, how do you do that? I mean, is, is it just kind of that, you know, that simple question of, uh, oh, that's really interesting. And how do you do yeah. that? it's I mean that is such a good question and I have by no means cracked it I mean I think the first thing I would say is that it's before you even have the conversation I think you've got to have a good relationship with someone Um, of course you know of course you you can have discussions with people that you've only just met and and sometimes that's a little bit easier because you know there's not the sort of friendship baggage and everything and and you don't have as much to lose I suppose but actually I think on the whole actually being in a good relationship with someone them knowing that you love them before you sort of begin to disagree on things is is a really really helpful thing and the other thing is I think we so often concentrate on what we're going to say that we forget how we say it and I think Mm. the way we say things is almost just as important as what we say you know our tone the way we deliver things um just listening really listening and not not assuming the other person's point of view um I think that's where you know that again it comes back to but do this with gentleness and respect I think so so much of that is listening to what other people say and responding to what they've actually said rather than what you think they believe so much of it as well as about asking questions um, rather than just sort of jumping in with your ready-made answers your little preachers um, but asking questions so that the ball is very much in their court and they know that their opinion is just as valid as as your opinion um Os Guinness, who's a brilliant um, apologist, has mm. said, you know, he's written loads of the books that are in a big mess behind me. Yeah. Um, but I love one of the things he talks about is that we kind of use this word tolerate. You know, we've got to tolerate different people's beliefs um, and we use that as a positive thing. But but he sort of uses this really clever example. He says, if I went to someone's house for dinner uh, and I said, thank you so much for dinner, it was tolerable. Um, <laughs> I, toler- I tolerate your food. Like, that's not a positive thing, is it? It's it's verging on rude, quite frankly. And I think actually what we we shouldn't necessarily be looking to tolerate people's opinions. What we should be looking at is to love people fiercely, but disagree with their opinions. And I think there is a there is a real difference between that um, by letting them know that we love them passionately as people 
but we don't necessarily see eye to eye on things and, and that's okay so um you know partly that's about kind of your language and things like that and this is this is done so often on unbelievable and there's one show that um again it happened like just last year just before the pandemic so it's kind of fresh in my mind mm. and it was actually with two christians rather than a, a believer and a non-believer um david bennett who is a celibate um gay christian who wrote a, a fantastic book called a war of loves how a gay activist found jesus um and a guy called brandon robertson who is an lgbt affirming pastor so they sort of come from quite different opinions in terms of what they think about homosexuality but it was just the most loving discussion and they saw so many points of contact and they just were so respectful to each other with the language they use with their body language even and I think it was just such an amazing example of how to disagree well that's awesome that's awesome I mean especially you know when you talk about you know a topic like that you know Mm. um that that very easily slips into a, a a level of um where people, regardless if they mean to, they they feel their humanity is um, devalued, yeah. um, which is not the goal of what anybody wants to do. I mean, especially mm-hmm. if you're a Christian, and uh, that's so. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to that on our podcast if people want to go and check that out. They Great. they can as well as you know you've you mentioned a ton of resources. I'll, I'll put <laughs> I'll put links in into the uh, into our podcast so people can go back and and, and check those out. So um, so are there any um, when you think about these conversations that you guys have? Um, with non-Christians and atheists and, and Christians, um, do you do you guys see um, uh, topics that non-Christians um, are actually eager to or wanting to have a conversation, dialogue with Christians on? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I think there's a lot of the kind of age-old questions like suffering, um, like just the assumption that science has ruled out the necessity for God and um, the assumption of particularly among young people that Christianity is just not relevant it's just not something they're even thinking about it's not true there's no evidence for it um, but I think it, interestingly I don't know whether it's something with my generation so millennials um, but particularly with generation Z is almost um like if they wanted to be discussing these topics, that would be a good thing. It's almost the opposite problem, which is that there's just a just a huge apathy um, that that actually that you know, yeah, they don't even want to talk about these things because it's just not it's not true for them. It's not relevant for them. It doesn't come into their kind of sphere of influence, um, and mm. and so actually that's where I think you know we're very much in a post-christian culture in the uk and so it's just not on people's radars um i was talking to a teenager a few years ago who um thought that uh, jesus was a video game uh, thought that christianity online. was was something that you kind of engaged with online uh, you know just no reference point whatsoever and i think um that's that's true of a lot of the young people in the UK there's just no reference point which in one way is a good thing because they don't come with all the baggage that a lot of my generation come with um but there's just this kind of it's not that they are against Christianity they just haven't even thought about it so I think that's where kind of living our lives as an apologetic can be a really powerful thing so you know making making sure that our lives provoke questions as much as what we say. Um, I think it was Bonhoeffer that said that your life as a Christian should make non-Christians question their disbelief. And I think that is so powerful, you know, is the way that we're living as Christians, is it so provocative that it's making our non-believing 
friends question their disbelief a lot of the time no i think is is the honest answer um but so there, there are topics that come up time and time again and i think there will always be the kind of new ones that come up around identity and things like that but um but interesting i think particularly in the uk that the problem is is not that people want to grapple with these questions the, the problem is that they don't that there's just this kind of apathy of um, oh it's true for you but it's not true for me and therefore we don't need to even talk about it mm. So Ruth, uh, wow, that's really fascinating and, and so true. I mean, I would say that the same is true out here um, with many of the youth. And I notice for myself, um, if I if I start sensing a conversation is getting very argumentative um, and, and you know heated, I I, it, I don't try to, but I, I my, mentally I begin to check out. Like mm-hmm. I just I do not care to engage in that. If there's not the civil, meaningful conversation we're willing to have, I just I just, me, I'm just, this isn't, it's not worth it for me to invest in that. But there is that sense of apathy of um, not really even interested in having these conversations. How do you, how do you, how do you have a, how do you get that spark to go, you know, um, for those who aren't interested? I mean, it is it is a great question. And I think actually questions is such a key part of it. I think part of it is living a provocative life so that, mm, okay. um, yeah, so that they approach you. You know, it, it, that again, coming back to 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a reason for the, for the hope that you have. And I think if... Um, if we're not living in a hopeful way and that doesn't mean that everything's perfect it's that kind of deep holding on trusting even in the midst of um the darkness if we're not living in a way that's hopeful then then why would they be interested so there's there's that part of it but i think asking questions and again that's got to come from a good relationship but i think yeah asking people what they believe about particular things and i think using you know, news events or or events that have happened in their life, and, and just pressing in and saying, you know, how do you feel about that? Where, where do you, where do you think life is going for you? Do you think there's a purpose for life? Do you think we're here for a reason? Um, you know, I, a lot of the time, questions will come up when bad things have happened in people's lives, um, mm-hmm. and obviously, you've got to do that in a really sensitive way. But it can be a great opportunity to kind of press into that a little bit more and ask if there's anything you can do to help um uh, but also if there's if there's anything that that's kind of made them re-question what they believe about certain things yeah yeah wow that's really good that's really good and very 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 helpful you know i mean just i mean in 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 some ways it's very subtle and very simple you know um love the person in front of you Mm. and uh, you know um be be genuine um, buzzword would be authentic, you know, mm-hmm. um, to be able to uh, ask those questions rather than assuming things. Uh, Ruth, that yeah. is really good. Is there anything that uh, anything else you'd like to add on just kind of the uh, the art of disagreeing well with somebody? I guess so. The only other thing I would say is that we have got to earn the right to speak into someone's life, uh, and what I mean by that, um, I I went to an event around knife crime, which is which is a big thing in the UK, um, particularly in sort of deprived areas in London, um, and I heard this amazing Christian rapper called Governor B talk about the fact that he grew up um, on a on a block on a council estate, and um, and he. He was obviously known by people in the estate. So his um, his mum knew people and he he went and did something like a little bit naughty um, in the estate. And and this older lady came up to him and said, 
what are you doing? You're Vivian's son. I know your mom and oh. I'm going to I'm going to like tell her what you're doing. And he stopped doing it immediately because actually this woman knew him or knew of him, sort of knew his mom and had earned the right to kind of speak into his life to stop him doing something that would have been potentially harmful for himself and people around him. And I was just really struck by that because actually I think so often, uh, particularly when it comes to young people, which is a huge passion of mine, we sort of say all these things and, and do all these things and ask them questions but actually we haven't earned the right to speak into their life we don't know them we haven't mm. um, shown them how much we care for them before we jump into these questions um, and there's an evangelist in the UK called J. John and he said people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care and I think that's so true and so yeah. important when we're talking about disagreeing is that actually what we want to leave at the end of a conversation is someone knowing that they're loved and they're cared about and that we're a safe pair of hands and that we're good listeners rather than oh we're really smart and we've got all these clever answers we want them to know that if they have any questions about anything that we could be the first person that they pick up the phone to awesome awesome ruth um man thank you so much for taking the time to um in the afternoon there in the morning here uh have a conversation <laughs> with us um about this um if ruth if people wanted to um maybe learn a little bit more about um you know you um the unbelievable um uh uh, or even this the new podcast, the uh, uh, C.S. Lewis podcast, um, where, um, where's the best way for people to um, uh, kind of find those? So we're sort of all over social media. Um, my, my personal social media is at Ruth J. Jackson on Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Um, Justin is on at Unbelievable JB. And on both of our um, social media profiles, we talk a lot about all the different programs that are going on. So that's quite a good way to just kind of see what we're up to. And um, if you just Google unbelievable podcast, that will take you to, to most of the things that we've been talking about. Um, this this new thing, the, the big conversation, which is the kind of sort of supersized debate format um, you can just go to the big conversation dot show um, but again I think if you googled the big conversation it would probably come up with some of those okay. things and the C.S. Lewis podcast um, it's just C.S. Lewis podcast dot com but again if you go on our social media profiles we sort of posted all about that so so, yeah, okay. and there's there's a um, uh, I should be ashamed for not mentioning this at the beginning, but you guys have a big conference coming up in May. Am I am I right? You're absolutely right. Yeah. On May the 15th, we've got a conference and, and I'm super excited because we've got quite a few people from the States coming as well. So okay. um, coming to attend, but also coming to speak, which obviously in a kind of non online setting, we wouldn't be able to do. But I'm particularly excited. We've got Josh McDowell and Sean McDowell, so father and son team. Um, I'm actually going to be interviewing them later tonight about the conference. Um, but I'm really wow. excited about that because Josh McDowell is a kind of veteran apologist. Sean McDowell is is, is sort of young and, and down with the kids and and just amazing to see the kind of generation of apologists um, taking on the baton and, um, and yeah, carrying on his dad's ministry in such a profound way. So I'm really excited to have both of them. That's cool. Yeah, it's um, uh, you guys got an incredible lineup of, of course, N.T. Wright. So mm. um, got a little bit of, you know, nerd jealousy going on over here. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah, anyways, uh, enough with that. So 
Um, really exciting. You guys have in, in, incredible things going on. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of what you guys do. Um, I'm excited about the C.S. Lewis um, podcast coming out, I, uh, or ha- has come out. Um, a huge, huge fan of C.S. Lewis. You know, usually annually I read through Mere Christianity um, at least once, so, which is, um, haven't done that, but I, I need to, but just, just rich, rich, rich. Well, actually, our series two, so at the moment we're on series one, but our series two is all about mere Christianity. So hopefully you'll enjoy that one. Okay, okay. Well, I look forward to uh, listen, listening in. Um, Ruth, I want to say uh, again, um, I would say from the States, um, thank you for everything that you guys do. Um, thank you for the kingdom impact you guys are making with bridging these conversations to have a meaningful conversation, but also modeling for us how we can actually have these sort of conversations in a way that's edifying and deeply mission-driven for for Jesus. So um, thanks for what you guys do, and thanks for how you guys do that. Um, very rewarding um, for, for me. So, And I, I hope um, the people listening into this will uh, go and uh, check everything out that uh, we've talked about. So thanks so much, Ruth. Thanks for uh, being on the show and um, and talking with me. Thanks for having me. Well, that was a lot of fun, and I'm not sure at which point what Ruth mentioned that struck home for you, but for me, it was the idea that we should be living in such a way that it should cause others to disbelieve their disbeliefs. (laughs) I love that. I mean, there should be something so compelling about how I'm living, about how you're living, that it would cause somebody else of a different opinion to maybe second guess how they live or what they believe. I mean, thank you so much, Ruth, and the whole unbelievable team for what you do. Uh, If you would like to look up some of the resources um, that Ruth mentioned, maybe uh, about Ruth or the Unbelievable Show, Um, go over to our show notes. I put most of those in the show notes. Uh, We have some pretty exciting guests lined up on our podcast. People like Ben Witherington, uh, Andy Bannister again, Michael Bird, and Michael Gorman. Uh, Each of them have made a contribution to the subject they're in. Uh, New Testament, theology, apologetics, and they've been pretty influential voices. So I'm really excited uh, to have them come on to our podcast and talk with us. And I know you will be richly benefited by them. Well, I hope that this conversation has helped you in your life so that you can make a greater impact in your life. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time.